Just like that, final hours here, Wednesday edition. How am I with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network? Show has flown by today, It, it has. It has. Looked up, and there we are, two hours down. An hour to go until the weekend. Yeah. Well, weekend's already here. It's Christmas many, vacation yeah, for many. You're right. You're right. We say it's the weekend. Chad declared this at the beginning of football season. I don't have any any problem with it. Weekend starts on Thursday with football being played. They play uh, Christmas movies out on the huge, gigantic screen. Biggest one in Nashville, uh, both indoor and outdoor here at 6th and Peabody. And we signed off yesterday. And in the bar area, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, was yes. playing. Yep. Hutton, Home Alone is the one Christmas movie you watch annually. Is that right? Uh, it doesn't, I don't have to watch it at Christmas. If it's on, I'm turning it yeah, on. Yeah, that's one. that now I'm now craving watching that movie, and I've not done it this Christmas time. But I will before Christmas because I, I saw today a post from the New York Times that was speculating just how rich the McAllister family was. Based on the, the Based the on the, the hints in the movie, how they targeted that home in a rich neighborhood in Winnetka, Illinois, which is one of the richest towns, one of the richest zip codes in, in America, is an upper crust area north side of Chicago. And um, it's basically like they're top 1%. They're top 1%. They're not super wealthy, but in America, they're top 1%. It's fascinating. And now I want to watch it for all these clues about just how rich they were. They all, well, have you plenty seen? Plenty of cash on them at all times. There's the theory that uh, Kevin McAllister's dad was an accountant for the mob. Yeah, I've seen that. One that, uh, that Frank also was somehow connected. And then there's the other brother. They reference, they go to Paris. Mm-hmm. And the mom said, uh, is it Rob, maybe? That Rob, Uncle yeah, Rob. Yeah paid for all the tickets. So he's very wealthy because he also well, has an apartment in Paris that has a view of Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower that can fit the entire family in. And then who's... So that, that costs a little bit of money. Who's renovating the condo in New York? Was that Rob at, also? I think so. I think Rob if had a not, place in New another, York. it's another So Rob member. had a place in New York and Paris with a view of the Eiffel Tower. But they're in Florida. That was a gigantic one. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah Home they Alone, go to Florida. Yeah, that's right. Home Alone. They originally go to Paris. Home Alone 2, they're in Florida. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, the, but it's I, funny I, lo- the sp- I love the uh the connecting with the, well, the spider web there. it's hilarious because they're like we're going to go to global economist and they go to these different people who are professors of of, you, of economy and all these different things that are looking at just how much money they made in 1990 to ha- afford what they have ryan albany's one of our uh producers here he he uh he went and he's been with us a long time doing helping yeah. us with the show even prior to joining outkick um he's got a youtube channel where he goes and Sees the sets where these things. He set, went to the home of Home Alone. jetting, I think is what it's called. And for he, people that go and tour go. the movie sets and TV sets. And uh, went to that home in uh, the, the suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. I don't know if it's this owner or the previous owner who hated the... People would go and take photos. Exactly. And, those just like Ryan who would go and, and do you know uh, a video series on something like this. Like uh, I would think if you're buying that home, you know that comes with the territory. I would think. I, I would think so. And then if it was There's such a, a problem, you just, it. once you realize, oh, this is this is the home from Home Alone, and I, you realize people are taking photos of you sell it, then I, you probably start to get a moving plan yeah. at that point. If you would, realize. you want to live in a home like that, where one every, that's like photographed? No, the ones that where every any time of day or night, people are driving by because they're in town, and they're like, oh, let's go see the Home Alone. Home. I mean, absolutely not. Me either. I, I would not buy that home for that reason. Unless I was going to like set up some sort of tour where I make money off of it and I don't live there and it becomes a museum, I'm not buying a home like there's that. A, that there's the, do not sign me up right for here. that. 
going to the movies, visiting yeah. locations from our favorite films. Yeah, he does a great job with that. I've, I'm always fascinated to see the different spots he goes to. He's doing something with Lords of Dogtown, I think, the skateboarding movie. Ryan Albany's a huge skater die type guy, big skater. Oh, big so he, he celebrates all things skate culture. See, in high school, that was a thrasher. Thrasher? I, I don't really we heard to that term. Yeah, the skaters. There was a, that was just what, like, you were a part of the Abercrombie and Fitch Army. Yeah. You were a thrasher. See, they were just preppy. Redneck. You had preppy. You had redneck. Uh, the thrasher in your world would have just qualified as freaks. When no, I no, grew no, up, no, no, no. Not like that. Like, thrasher was like, um, they would all like you wore vans biscuit. and you had the certain jeans and you were into skateboarding. Yeah. You were also really into Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Yeah, but, and, and then so, that's what high school kids just call much, you freaks but, at that point. Well, everyone that was, was your kind community. of into Kurt Cobain, though. Everyone's into Nirvana and, and that. Yeah, some more than others. Yes. I remember in middle school um, when he died, there were people who had to leave school. They were so distraught. What, teachers or? No, all the kids. It was like 13 year old girls. That had to leave school. Really? Yeah, and they they would have qualified as freaks in our era. Where in you our, get out of, th- that was our. We, you got on the twenty third of December for Christmas break, but you could you got to get. Oh out. no, I'm saying they were crying like they <laughs> oh they couldn't go to class. I remember it well. News got around like around lunchtime, and they, they they showed up at school and couldn't go through the school day. They were so distraught. But the, but we these were the it was like the day Kennedy got assassinated. These were the older weird, people. These were the weird kids, not the cool kids. So it, it was flipped for me. The cool kids were like that. If you could get out of school for because you were cool. I enough mean, to, they were like cool in their own the setting. Thing. You know, it was yeah. all. I went to a big school, so they all kind of you found your your little community. Yeah. So they were cool in the what we would term them as the freak community. They all fell in that. Skateboarders, Nirvana worshipers. Now they're buying two seats on the Southwest uh, flight. Later, Marilyn Manson became big to this community. Um, you know, post-Columbine, they had to stop wearing trench coats, but they were wearing trench well, coats. So that was different than the Thrasher. That, that. Was, that was trench coat mafia is what that was. Yeah. You, well, you got, your school got way more specific than we did. We were much more broad brush. Much more diverse, I guess. Much more broad brush is what we were. Uh, you could... Uh, Check out the diverse selection at the Outkick store, the new and improved Outkick store. Finally, livestock up with golf polos, T-shirts, hats, and more. Shop.outkick.com. Chad, real sports going away. And uh, Adrian Kramer uh, joined us a couple of weeks ago. And the final episode of Real Sports, you have seen the the sign-off edition with Bryant Gumbel. What did you think? And how was it handled from his end on this on this stand, long form, investigative, hard hitting, capital J journalism is going away. It was it was really good, um, and there was a a big effort I think over the course of the show. So every end of the year, and I, I've watched the show since really it's been around. I've probably seen at least pieces out of all of them that yep. I, I wanted to see. Um, they did it in a way that they always do at the end of the year with this roundtable discussion with all the reporters and the correspondents about their favorite things. But the way they did it was really cool. It was an hour and a half instead of an hour. And they went into different pieces of it. You know, some of them would be stories they did on underdogs, which will get the tears going about, you know, people with disabilities that overcame them, fathers helping out their son with a disability, stories that they remember over the years. They, they had a full piece of that, highlights, and someone did a voiceover. Profiles of celebrity athletes, coaches was another section. Uh, race relations and stories they did on race and culture would be another one. Challenging authority, going to the IOC, going to Qatar about the World Cup 
and challenging the people there. That would be another segment of it. I thought it was really well done. And the sign-off from Bryant Gumble was outstanding. And uh, once my internet starts working again, I'll, too, I'll have know. it. Yeah, I, I, I watched it. I know we can't play it. But what he said in the end, and it was clear they did it all at once. You know, they're having the roundtable. He turns the camera, and he gives his final sign-off. And he was emotional talking about it. They also had other HBO people from over the years that were giving them their thanks for the show. Uh, Chris Rock, Bill Maher, Larry David, um, a lot of different people that have been on HBO yeah. with them over the years saying how much they love the show and we're going to miss it. But I think a key takeaway, Hutton, was the simple fact that everyone on the show, and Andrea Kramer talked about this with us, they hope this isn't the death of long-form sports journalism that asks tough questions. That the someone else, it, it, everyone now on any streamer, any media company is allowed to pick up the torch and do something like this. And her hope was that some form of this show exists and exists very soon. I think everyone on the panel was saying just that, that they hope this isn't the end. Um, there's uh, you know, that, that, that was the main takeaway. Here's the, the quote from, from Bryant Gumbel, which was just terrific in his final sign-off. There are so many other ideas we could have explored and so many clips we could have shown. But ultimately, we realized we could only do so much in the time allowed, and that's fitting. Because despite all we've done on the show, we leave with many of the issues that we thought were important still unresolved. Fair pay for college athletes, a reckoning for the IOC, an end to public funding of private stadiums. The list goes on. But we won't. Our buck stops here, and it stops now. When we started 29 years ago, we never promised to solve any of the sports world's many problems. When we started 20, many problems, only to explore them in an honest and intelligent fashion and to try to address them in a manner that was honest, professional, and respectful to viewers like you. I think we did that. Yeah. I thought that was very fitting. And he says, if that's our legacy alone of our program, we're good with that. Whether you were a regular viewer or a casual one who caught us whenever, I want to thank you very much for being with us and appreciating our efforts. For the final time, for all the good folks here at Real Sports, all the very good folks with whom I've had the pleasure of working, I'm Bryant Gumbel. Thank you so very much for being with us. Goodbye, instead of good night. I thought it was the perfect send-off for what they tried to do with that show and what they expressed, but also saying, we shined a light on these things. Not everything is fixed. But also the tenor of the show, Hutton, was someone take this over and continue doing it. So in a, in a, in a time where we see a lot of copying and a lot of recreations of the same thing. How many Spider-Man movies have we seen in the last decade, right? Yeah. The fact that everyone is saying, oh, someone take this and do it. No one, what's the second, what's the closest show to this? I'm not saying it's the end-all be-all. It can be, it can be copied. It can be repeated. Who's actually going to do that and back it financially? Because that's what, that's what we're hearing here from HBO and, and Time Warner and they're at Viacom, they're not going to, right? No, and it's it is expensive. So I mean, they they did they did segments. So is an Adam Sandler co uh, contract oh, yeah, for Netflix. Yeah. You know, they did segments uh, in every continent in fifty five countries over the years. Uh, I don't think it exists right now. Well, I mean, they, the, they had the, the E sixty E sixty that was there for a while. Thirty for thirty, the sixty minute sports edition it is the closest thing. And I, I'm just trying to. And 30 it, for 30 is just documentary movies, so it, that's not – it's not anything – Right, but it's, it's – This the, was a monthly show right? that really got into things, and they only did it is once it, a month for a reason. Yeah, I mean, it's not monthly, but it's it, like the Untold series. 
yeah. you know, where you're actually diving into Manziel. And then we're critical of how much they actually focus on one thing or the other, right? Um, I don't, it, the fact that no one's wanting to copy tells me that no one's really looking for it. Well, see, it's, I think it's Netflix for what they do. Maybe Prime Video, but all the sports documentaries you can find on Netflix. You mentioned the Untold series. Yeah, yeah. But Netflix really isn't in that business of recurring things monthly or weekly. It is drop it in there and let people binge it. Right. Or drop an hour and a half documentary film in and let people watch it. That so, you need something that's timely, that's hitting the topics of today every month well, and it, spending it, a lot of time on each story. And it could be weekly, but again, we've seen that dwindle not just recently, but really over the last couple of decades where you had those type of reporters at ESPN that would do that digging, right? And that slowly dwindled. Then you, I mean, The Athletic tried to do something like this. You know, They're laughed at and pointed at saying that there's no way you're going to stay in business doing this. We told you so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's more mocked than it is, you know, put on a pedestal. Um, like, like we're doing with this show. I mean, the... the, the Real sports. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. the The problem is those calling the shots don't want it. They just want the clickbait BS. They don't want this. They want clickbait and they want to keep their jobs based on numbers, not on actual quality. They want quantity over quality. Well, in HBO, uh, reading the book Tinderbox about the entire history of the network, they've com- almost completely done away with HBO Sports. And obviously, Real Sports was in the HBO Sports right. department. They don't even really have a sports department anymore. I mean, HBO was a go-to for Wimbledon back in the day. They had live sports on HBO and had a lot of great programming and shows and films. Uh, HBO sports documentaries are some of the best out there still to this day. And they've gone away from it. Maybe it's Apple. If I'm trying to find someone that can do that, they're trying to get more into live sports. Could Apple do something like a a version of Real Sports Monthly? Where it's hard hitting sports journalism, well, but also really like, diving into subjects, they they certainly have the money to do it. But also, if they decided to think think about it from this perspective too, like aside from the funds and the the host themselves, like is there going to be the next Bryant Gumble that's going through the the media, the same the same media school right. training program that is, everyone is, Andrew, is of there his an age Andrea did. Kramer of the next generation going to exist? Or is it going to be those that just say, yeah, fake halftime reports? It's a good, I don't, it's that, a good that question. That also makes the show. But that's the perception of the media companies and what they want versus what the audience is clicking on and arguing about. It's more about sparking a debate, which is just half the time manufactured altogether than it is actually diving into a story. I think it's also important for media companies, HBO, whoever, um, you are sometimes responsible for showing people what they want. It's not just trying to lean into something and saying, well, this is what they want. We know it. So we're going to keep faking things or giving them this instead of giving them something else. I do think that you are a tastemaker, right? I mean, how many people knew they would have liked real sports on HBO if HBO didn't do it 29 years ago and start it? Then they had a big enough following where people loved it for so long. They were on air for 29 years. So sometimes you got to present something to people that's good right, right. and say, no, you're going to like this. Well, you, the, you need to eat your vegetables at times, too. But they're and also, you're going to like these vegetables. But they're also, I mean, the companies, I, I believe, are already telling us that we're, we're not going to get this and you're going to like it. You're not going to get this anymore and you're going to like it. I think that's also part of it. 
Uh, it's, it, it, does it create debate? Sure it does on social and, and beyond. They're also, they're, they're controlling the debate on what they want to put out and what they don't. They're controlling the narrative, whether we want to admit it or not, on what, how far the digging goes and how much they're willing to spend on it. Versus just, oh, uh, let's set this algorithm and uh, create a, a, a fake graphic where the hosts aren't even talking about said topic in the same way that it's declared in a graphic to get you to click on it and then complain about it. Ultimately, that's what they're selling advertising on. I, I hope real sports exists somewhere sometime again. I wish it still existed where it was. The 18, 18 and 18 challenge was brought up during the, uh, the break there. We'll hit that in a moment. Uh, I'll kick network. Hot my with Hutton with Rowe. I thought he was saying the 1818 challenge, like the year. I'm thinking, is it? Oh, you're like, uh, oh. safe passage across the Atlantic yeah. without getting scurvy? <laughs> is that the 1818 challenge? Lock yourself in a box. Not bringing the plague. Sail across. Didn't know what the <laughs> 1818 dying, challenge Not dying was. of syphilis. <laughs> Man, so many people had STDs back in the day. Crazy. Yes. Like one stray encounter, and you were done for back in the day. Yeah, meet someone with a Merkin and you were screwed. Right here in Nashville, Tennessee, little, little known fact of him. Nashville, Tennessee was the first place in America where prostitution was legalized. It was during northern occupation during the Civil War because so many Union soldiers right over here on Broadway at the time, Smokey's Row, it was called, on the Cumberland Alley River, too. they had prostitutes everywhere. They did. And the soldiers were getting syphilis and other problems with the prostitutes mingling with them. That they made it legal, but you had to pay a tax and you had to have different forms to, to do it. So, in essence, it was the first time prostitution was legalized and sanctioned in the U.S. And it was because of northern occupation in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, I mean, Learn something every day on the show. That so many died during the Civil War, but so many died of STDs as well. Yeah. Picking that up while, uh, while stationed or based at a, a city next to a river or railroad they didn't really have sex ed back in the day where they could scare you no. with those things either so <laughs> certainly did not really putting your life in your hands every time starting january 3rd uh, the only place to catch outkick's original fearless shows live will be on our website outkick.com outkick.com slash watch this is where you'll be able to uh, check out all the live unfiltered content unfiltered content head to watch tab at outkick.com and you can catch everything else on youtube on demand one-stop shop for all things Outkick, outkick.com slash watch. So, uh, Davey, what is the 18-18 uh, the and 18 challenge? So, what you will do is you will go to a golf course and you will play 18 rounds. But while you're playing those 18 or rounds... Or 18 of, holes. Sorry, yeah, not 18 rounds. 18 holes of that golf. That changes my, my yes, answer Yes, that, that would change it. Now, that would make it much more difficult. Yes, no, just 18 holes. But you're also eating 18 hot dogs during that time frame and drinking 18 beers. I would not be able to do this. No, no. I, I think you could drink the 18 beers. Colin I don't think you could have the hot dogs. Colin and Tyler were just, ah, this is child's play. We do this on a, <laughs> anytime we go out uh, for a round. 18 beers over 18 holes is tough. You're not counting the par threes. Well, the, the bread intake the par on threes, 18 hot dogs also tough. The par threes, uh, I mean, you give me 18 Coors Lights, I'm done for. Well, I mean, uh, the if you just if I just had the Frank... Of the hot dog, I could easily do that. 18 times over 18 holes. Yeah. The, the bread, the, the bun consistency is what's going to fill you up also. It, it's one of those that you hear it 
And it How sounds, many puking rallies are happening It sounds there? just doable enough to where you consider that maybe you could do it. What's more? But it's also one of those, it's like the gallon of milk in a certain amount of time. I think it's physically impossible. I think someone has figured out, there's doctors it, that have figured out, physically impossible to pull this off. Let's try to challenge people to do it anyways. Now, in the middle of spring or just as it's about to turn to fall, 18 holes could take you about five hours in some of these courses. Slow play. Uh, I'm also factoring in the fact that, I mean, I'm, if you're trying to get this in in four hours or less, there's no way you're, you're accomplishing this. And I think, uh, I think the more difficult part, just spitballing here, would be the hot dogs more than the beer because you're going to sweat out the beer, right? Oh, you're, you would have a hard time with any food challenge given how little you eat. No, I'm saying for anyone. I'm saying for anyone. The hot dogs would trip you up before the beers. But I'm saying for anyone. I, I think you're. I think if, the beers would if, trip if me up before the hot dogs. You're playing golf. You're outside sweating. So you're you're. Oh, you could do it in a you know 65 degree time of year. Do you pull like the Joey Chestnut where he'll dip his hot dogs in the water as he's trying to get them down? You do that with the beer. See, that's so much Absolutely for speed not. that I don't know that speed is the right route to go in this game. You'll get to a certain point, though. Where I mean, it's got to be like a chomp. you're no athlete like Joey. Well, well see, like it's um, a chomp on a hot athlete. dog. Every every stroke, chomp on but, a hot dog, ch- little chug of a beer. Next stroke, chomp on a hot dog, chug of a beer, and then complete it step by step over the course of your round. That makes it seem more doable, <laughs> right? You, you would really struggle with it does. just trying to – you definitely need to space out the drinking, but would you just try to eat the 18 hot dogs as soon as you get started to just go ahead and then try to power through after that? Well, also, the amount of strokes you're taking going up and up and up, the drunker you get over the course of the round. If you eat 18 hot dogs, you're not getting in 18 beers. Yeah, I think it's something that's medically impossible. Have you, do you know people have figured out, but they're challenging people to do it anyways. Uh, there was one guy, he dressed up like... One man. Um, they were Will talking Compton about it. was his name. I, was, I just came across <laughs> it. I don't, Let's get to see what Taylor Lawan is up to now. I don't even know That's if good. I've got the guy's name, but he was dressed up like uh, the big guy, Mr. Larson from Happy Gilmore. You know, where he's got the hard hat and there's the nail sticking out of yep. it while he's oh, yeah. wearing the orange shirt that says, And you uh, can count guns, on me yeah. in the parking lot. Yeah, that Gu- guy. Guns don't kill people, I kill people shirt. That's a great character in that movie. That's two thus far, Shooter. I think it's what he says to him after the second stroke. Well, maybe we should have someone at Outkick try it. I nominate Davey. Davey, are you a golfer? I'm not a golfer. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how. If you're a golfer, you're not trying this. Go- golf's too you're, expensive you're go- of a this sport. This is to suck more at. recreation. We're going to, you know, attempt well, I think to you'll uh, try it if you're on some terrible course. We're going to this goat pasture to yeah. uh, try the 18, 18, and 18 challenge. You're going to the Muni. You're there for disc golf. You're not there for golf. Right. Yeah. You're, well, that's perfect for me because I'm not a golfer. So I could go to the Muni and hack it around and, and do this. If you're serious about your golf, watch Tyler not so much. and uh, that, watch. Tyler and Colin go at it then. There's the guy. Honorary uh, challenge uh, accepted over here to our, to our left, Chad. Let's show this guy. Can we yeah. show him? Yeah. Let's look at him. Yeah, so he's, he's I mean, this is like, a, is he on a farm? This looks like a course in Nebraska where I'll be soon. <laughs> There's not enough the, snow in, there, though. Nebraska not known for their co- uh, golf courses. No. I know this shocks people. Well, too much snow. Yeah, not, not, a, not a big golfing know, place. Uh, I'm sure there are some... Uh, Maybe some friends in Nebraska, though, Chad, that you would come across that could accomplish this. Nebraska doing well in, in recruiting right now with Matt Rule. He's really opened up uh, the state of Nebraska and, and selling all the, the high points. That guy was really chugging. I, I think he was going more for speed just to get it down quickly 
process it, and then move on to the next hole. Yeah. Do you guys remember, or did you ever watch yes, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I'm a huge fan of that okay, show. The, Dennis Reynolds is one of the greatest TV characters of all time. The gang beats Wade Boggs' record. Oh, yeah, we on, the, did, on the flight? We did try that, me and my friend group. You know, and every time you finish a beer, somebody's like the official commissioner, and they give you like a, a, a tally on a white Hanes T-shirt. How many beers is it, the Wade Boggs Challenge, on a flight? And it's a flight from where to where? It's got to be a certain time flight, I remember. I'll, I'll search they, it. They were going to Seattle, and I can't remember where all their layovers were. Uh, the first thing that pops up, Wade Boggs Challenge. It's like 70-something beers, isn't 107 it? 107 beers. <laughs> he said what? he once, Wade Boggs once drank, as legend has it, Wade Boggs once drank 107 beers while embarking on a cross-country flight, which he consumed alone. He then played a game like two days later. Now, uh, the, now I'm getting this from 2023. Wade Boggs confirms it wasn't 107. Said he drank 73 beers on one flight. And I'm trying to get the quote here. Said it went to 107. I'm guessing in the next one. My gosh, it is so hard to read stories online with the amount of pop-ups that go. It's so, like one. Now we got one sentence and then an ad, <laughs> then another sentence, then an ad. I'm, I'm trying to scroll down. So Andre the Giant is who I think of. Yeah, he was setting the standard. And the beer looked like a thimble to him. Yeah, he, he once rang up a $40,000 bar tab. He, uh, it, what was it, 120 beers in six hours? And once it, he, he quit drinking uh, and then continued to drink five bottles of wine. Yeah, like following the magnums that, of Following wine, dinner. Right, the huge bottles Oof. of wine. Uh, here is the quote from Wade Boggs on what officially happened. It was one of those flights from Boston to L.A., playing blackjack on the plane with a bunch of guys. Actually didn't know one of the guys was counting, and he said, Boggsy, did you realize you're about at 45 right now at one point on the flight? 45 beers. I think we had another hour to go on the flight, and I said, oh, wow, really? Okay. So we ended up with 73 for the flight, and then we just went out and had a good time in California. So it went up to 107 based on their time out at bars in California over the course of the day. Doesn't seem physically possible. It does not. Andre the Giant consumed 119 12 ounce beers in six hours. That equates to a, a 12 ounce beer down every three minutes nonstop for six hours straight. Said that Mark Langston was pitching for the Angels the next day and that Wade Boggs went two for three with two doubles the next day <laughs> after consuming 107 beers. You can look it up in the box score from that day and when he claims this happened. The rest is history. And then it was revived by one. Um, uh, one always, sunny. always sunny. Yeah. Also, by the way, shout out to Guns, who I'm finding out this on a, a website that's not Outkick that has a video of Guns interviewing Wade Boggs where he got this quote. Nice. Exclusive. I spoke with Wade Gun Boggs show. about it. He really drank 60 plus beers in a flight. There it is. Look, Guns got the interview. Good job, Guns. He's the one who Confirming. had this happen. There's the new real sports right there. Guns could be a great Bryant Gumble. I, I, I see guns and I immediately think Bryant Gumble. Not Leslie Visser. Similar gravitas. Not Leslie Visser or no. Andrew Kramer or Leslie Visser, who one time uh, one of our oh, cohorts, Paul PK, asked one of the worst questions oh. ever to anyone to elicit an awful response. What was the exact question that was asked the Super Bowl to Leslie Visser while she was on with us? Something I, about like something about retiring or something. How right? do you do this job looking like you do? 
Yeah, how they, uh, yeah, something like no, that. No, it was something like that. Not, it's like, you know, you've done a good job. Not exactly now. that blunt, but close. It was, uh, it was, it was more about like, it may have been worse why than the way you I presented been asked it. to retire like all, everyone else because he was, he was just, yeah, it's laid always off. young girls now on TV that look good. Why have you not asked, been asked yeah. to retire? Or why have you not retired yet? And she did not take it well. No. As would, you shouldn't. That should be expected. Florida State is uh, still not taking the, the fact that they didn't get into the college football playoff well. Um, you're having Norvell admitting that he's during practices gearing up for the bowl game against Georgia. He's still having to get through the hangover of, of defeat of, of knowing they're not battling for a national championship. I would imagine that lingers, especially with the long layoff that is middle of December until the new year when you actually get to kick things off. Um, but Chad, we, we asked this immediately when we came in and we were debating whether or not Florida State should be in the college football playoff for the four team. And it was, this was the same program and the same university with the same boosters that were complaining about the ACC and the distribution of money, of revenue, and how it wasn't financially viable that they were going to stay afloat moving forward with the media rights that were coming in compared to the power two, it was the Big Ten and the SEC. And they were bringing in most of the eyeballs, Florida State, Clemson. There were the two that were mentioned. And we immediately asked, well, if they were thinking that before the season, are they now pondering their future in the ACC after a season where they go unbeaten, win the ACC? They know they have the backup quarterback, but they've done nothing but win, and they still could not get in. Meanwhile, the perception of the SEC has Alabama, your champion, who lost head-to-head with Texas, they're in. Texas is in. Washington is unbeaten. They're in. They beat Oregon twice. And then Michigan, who, if you look at their schedule, it's hard to... It, they're right there, neck and neck, with strength of schedule with where Florida State ended up when it was all said and done at the end of the year. Of course they're going to be pondering this. They were pondering it before this all happened. The question is, are they going to pony up and pay what it's going to take? And who's coming with them to join them wherever they may jump to? I do think they're going to leave. Are they going to leave the ACC with another team? Or is the ACC going to be something else as we know it three or four years from now after the 12-team playoff contract is up and it's on multiple networks, streaming services are coming in and battling for the rights to air certain games? All of it's going to change. Is Florida State going to change conferences before we see the landscape change to the super conference, which is on the horizon? Yeah, and I think they just hope that the super conference arrives quicker than they have to make a decision because they still don't have the money to get out of this grant of rights. So the best thing that can happen for Florida State and others is let's hurry up and get to this 60-team super conference that has divisions and has someone else running it, and then we're in that. I mean, Florida State is absolutely in that group of programs that yes. are haves and yep. not have-nots. They're a brand, and they're going to be in, in that position. So it, it's tough because, like you said, Hutton, this was something they were wanting to do before the season. And they've been arguing that we deserve more of the ACC revenue than anyone else. Their social media teams have been posting how they have more viewers than the rest of the ACC for games this year. They've been bragging about that fact. It's clearly a sore subject. Jim Phillips didn't go out of his way to go on TV and fight for them leading up to the selection. Now, he put out a scathing uh, uh, statement afterward 
about the injustice of the college football playoff committee and defended Florida State in that. But Greg Sankey's going on college game day talking about the SEC and how it's going to be a travesty if an SEC team's not in the playoff. So he did his job fighting for his conference before they made the decision. It's a tough spot for Florida State, Hutton. I don't know what the answer is other than them sitting around hoping we get to this super conference sooner rather than later. Yep. And it's a two-year TV agreement for the 12-team playoff that will be negotiated prior to that two-year term being up. Four headlines next, plus we rank some shows. Our thanks to John Fanta and Michael McHenry for joining us earlier in the show. You missed portions of that. You can catch it on our YouTube page. Just search out Outkick, available there, on demand, or live. You can catch us there uh, up until January 3rd, then live at outkick.com slash watch. Uh, John Morant returned from his 25-game suspension and, well, won the game for Memphis. Uh, he had 34 points in the game-winning layup. They haven't had a lot of wins this year either without him. No, they snapped a five-game uh, five uh, losing streak for the Grizz. John Morant shows up, and when he's on the court, he's, he's balling out. Good for him. Have the courts returned to normal status since that in-season tournament, which I thought every court was an absolute abomination? Yes. They've, they've returned oh, to I normal don't know. form? I don't, I'm, well, they, they weren't always – they didn't always look like that game to game. It was like very no. They did it for the tournament, and then it was it's, right. But it wasn't every single. It was it was random. It felt like randomness, just like the tournament did, for that matter. Not every highlight had the same court layout. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, like the NCAA tournament, it all kind of looks the same. Yeah. I know the oh, no, color they schemes did. and things are different. They you could the, do it. You could personalize it, but some courts just look like they always look. Oh, so not everyone did the special in-season tournament? They may, they may have, but they didn't do it on a continuing basis, at least from the highlights I would watch. I mean, I'm not – this is the time of year, Chad, where I sit down and watch NBA hoops. I, I, well, I, my three-minute warning, I need the game within 10 points with three minutes to go. I don't enact that until Christmas. Get ready for the most old man of old man NBA takes. I have a hard time with the NBA because they have – uniforms that are the team's color at home and not white uniforms at home. Oh, when they flipped. went away from this two or three years ago, I hate it. Oh, the, uh, I hate it. The, the NFL is getting kind of like that. Football, you wear colors at home. Well, right? you, and the visiting do. team wears white. That's the no, way no, it no. should be. The home team gets to choose. I know though. the home team gets to choose. I hate that too, but I, I like NFL better than the NBA, noted. But the, at least there's a choice, and most teams still wear the Cowboys, I know there's there's some, you know, LSU in football likes to wear their white at all times. Yeah, but the Raiders, there if they're on the road in September, they're going to be in their black. Yeah, there are exceptions that like to wear the different uh, colors at home and away, but they're going to be told to wear the dark rule uniform. In football, home team wears the color, visiting team wears white, and in basketball, home team wears white uniform, visiting team wears yes. their color uniform. Chad, yep. what do you think about? schools or college basketball now allowing numbers above five to be used again. Say that again. So college basketball is now kind of like adopted the NBA policy where you can have a number be 27 or 39. Numbers of, above five. Yeah, the so end in five. The end in five. Oh, I got gotcha. you. So uh, 30 through 35. Like I was 34 one, one year in yeah, high school. Yeah, the last, you're saying the last digit above five. Um, I'm thinking there's a lot of numbers that are above five in basketball. I don't care. I don't care what number someone has on. That doesn't bother me. 
But fundamentally shifting the home team and what they wear, I don't like that move. There's too many uniforms in a lot of sports now, too. Yeah. I don't even know what the home uniform is. Well, there's the also uh, too, so much change with some that we watch You know, NBA games will be on here at 6 and Peabody. Yeah. I go out there and I'll take a glance. I have no clue who the hell's playing right now. Right. I don't. That's the Charlotte Hornets. Since when were the Charlotte Hornets red? I mean, there are uniform colors that make no sense across the NBA. I hate it. Oh, what court is that? Oh, that, that's where is that? That's the San Antonio Spurs. That's, yeah. That green court that we're looking at right now. Uh, we're watching. We're watching the Bucks play right now. That's the Sp- oh, the Celtics are now silver and black. <laughs> who, who knew? Must be the tournament. Man, this is awesome. And the Celtics wear the black uniform way too much. You're the Celtics. Wear your green and white. Wear your white and green at home. It's a classic uniform. You're right. Don't get me started, Hudden. Some classic television shows ranked by Variety, Chad. Uh, You and Davey, when I arrived today, you pouring through the top 100 greatest TV shows of all time. What uh, what stands out to you? Let's go through the top fifteen and let's just all stay. Is this more about who it who's there or who's not there? Which which shows there uh, or not I, there? I haven't honestly. I've not studied the entire list yet to to have a problem with who's not there. Let's just look at the top fifteen. Okay. And let's all state whether or not we've watched all uh, of these the show. shows or That's a show great. or how familiar we are with it. Okay. Yep. Number fifteen, Saturday Night Live. Of course. We've all seen clips. We've all watched. Right. We were watching uh, clips before the we show. Much, much less than uh, now than before. But yeah, yes, one of the yes. funniest things that uh, it's not always great on SNL anymore, but one of the funniest things they do is the joke swap between Michael Che and Colin Jost. Hud and I have interviewed Colin Jost in the studio before. Yeah. Um, that at the end of the year where they write jokes for the other one to read for the first time on air. Hilarious. We were watching that before the show today. Number 14, The Twilight Zone. Aired originally from 1959 to 1964 on CBS. We are all familiar with this show, right? I, I it's may a classic. I may have seen one show on like TV Land or something. I don't know. I feel like I've read Wikipedia yes, descriptions of, of episodes. Everyone has heard of this. And if you haven't seen it, you've watched a show that was... Right. It's inspired, inspired by Twilight by Zone yeah. or a, another version of it or whatever. Don't know that I watched a full episode, but I've read Wikipedia descriptions about episodes. And uh, it's a classic. 13, Succession. One of my favorite shows the last 10 years in the top 15. I have started Succession. It is fantastic. Davey? I've yet to watch it. I know you've been on me about that one. My my HBO comes and goes. It's only four seasons, too. It had a good, quick run that was no no letdown, no no layoff because it was such a short-lived show. Number 12, Sesame Street. Yes, of course. Familiar. I've seen it. Were you guys fans of that as kids? Like that. I don't know. For me, it wasn't. I remember being a fan of Bert and Ernie. I don't know that I was uh, big into any of the other characters on the show. The Count scared had, me to death. I had some Bert and Ernie uh, like stuffed animals and books around the house when yeah. I was a kid. That's that's where my memory of Sesame Street really ends. It was on if I was at my grand grandmother's house. It was on uh, by a younger brother and younger sister. So it was on. Number eleven, Cheers, classic yes. NBC sitcom. Yep, Ted yep. Danson as Sam Malone, Woody Harrelson start. Uh, in show business on the show. Davey? Agreed. Uh, one of the funnier things I think about Cheers is I think everybody in that picture like that you see from the main cast is supposed to be like 35 years old, and yet they all look like they're 55. Well, when you're a kid, I mean, Kelsey Grammer uh, still looks great, and he's this is 1982 when the show started, and I'm seeing this picture. I'm like, yeah, he wasn't that old, uh, even though the hair was starting to go at that point for him. Number 10, Roots. Who here has watched Roots. Read the uh, Alex Haley book, Roots. No, 1977. No. I read Honors English, eighth grade. We read uh, Roots and had to do a book report over it. 
I've read it. Uh, Got to be honest, have not seen the miniseries. It's also interesting how they do this because they have limited series, miniseries lumped in with shows that ran for 20 years in some cases, 40 years in some instances. 60 Minutes is on this list in the top 20. And they've been running for 50, 60 years, I think, at this point. Number, where, what number? We're, we're on that number nine. Number nine? That or the, Nine will be next. The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I've never watched it. Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it on uh, syndication. Seen an episode. I don't think I've gotten into the plot points of the show yet, but I have seen it. Syndication, of course. But yeah, I've. If we're going, yeah, on I the, didn't watch it live. I want to be clear with the audience. We, I'm we not old watched, enough to see it live. If I've just simply watched the show, the answer is yes. Number eight, Seinfeld. Yes, absolute classic. Seen every episode of Seinfeld, but I'll still catch occasionally. I'll go to one that's on TBS or something, and I don't remember anything about it. So it makes me doubt that I've actually seen all the shows because I'll see some that man. This is not one that I, I ever recall seeing any of the plots in it. Number seven, Hutton and I are, are no a definitive yes on this one. Davey, have you watched The Wire? I have watched the entire first season. Okay, it gets better. I think the second season is the best. Okay, the last season. Not so much. Might want to skip that last season. It is hyped so it, it, it's it's so highly regarded. It is tough for the show to live up to expectation. I binge the wire during COVID while we're broadcasting from home. And I'm I'm judging it based on what I have been told, which it everyone raves about it. It is a great show. Yeah. But I'm judging it based on the shows that I have loved and I watched alongside others who were watching said show live. So I'm helping create. I'm creating the buzz about Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm trying to meet where everyone else is on the wire. It is great. Did it live up to my expectation? No, because it's The bar great. was so high. Yeah, that's right. I'm with you. The bar was so high. And it's also, I think Game of Thrones, not so much on this, but... It's one of those that really takes four or five episodes to hit any sort of stride because it's a show that just sort of plops you in the middle of a day in the life, right? So there's yeah. no real setup to anything going on. You're just kind of forced to follow along well, with this, this really uh, an investigation that's already started. And you know what? When what the show I, starts, uh, one of my friends, of, uh, close, close friends of a, a family member, Milton, is neighbors with David Simon. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we were telling him he was, hey, what do you guys watch? We watched Binge the Wire. He's like that show is so it, it's on point with Baltimore, yeah. Like, to a po- like every facet of what you see is exactly how things would have gone down. And David Simon was a beat writer for the on the crime beat in Baltimore as a journalist for years. So people say it's the most realistic of shows that yeah. are, are of that ilk. Number six, Sex in the City. Nope, I have seen Sex in the City. Not ashamed to admit, I have seen every episode and every movie. Um, and I'm watching the new version of it. Oh, right really? Now. I take it you would really? recommend. New version, I would not recommend at all, but okay. somehow I continue to suffer through it. The old version, absolutely, you should watch Sex and the City. Who's it's, in the new version? It's amazing. It's the same cast, oh, wow. minus Samantha. I wouldn't like that either. They had a big breakup with Samantha, so she's not in it. Although she does appear, I think, in one scene in season two, so maybe they're a bit on the mend. Um, yeah. Number five, Breaking Bad. Love it. Yes. All Fantastic in. show. All in. That's one of the shows I'm judging The Wire on as I'm watching Binging The Wire. And Breaking Bad is better, as it is on this is. list, too. I, w- I would agree. Number four, I have seen nothing but clips of this show and never watched a full episode really? in my life. The Simpsons. 
Oh, I've obviously I've seen familiar it. with it. I've never watched a full episode. I've seen tons of clips. I'm not. I a, know characters from the show, but I've never sat down and watched an episode. Well, uh, the the symptoms the, the symptoms already did it, but the I, I get it. But there are so many other shows that were inspired by The Simpsons that I prefer over The Simpsons. It I annoys me if I walk in and like there's a Simpsons episode on and I'm trying to figure out the end of the game, you know, yeah. the NFL game, and The Simpsons are already on. I wouldn't recommend sticking with it. anything past 2005 for The Simpsons. Started in 1989, The Simpsons. They really hit their stride from 95 to 2002. How they predict things is crazy. I have a hard time, you guys know this, I have a hard time with animation. Even though I think every South Park clip you guys have ever played for me is absolutely hilarious. I, I think South Park I have was a hard time with, uh, with animation. On this list, 58th. That's yeah. good. That's a good spot for them. Number three, The Sopranos. I've seen yes. every episode. I've never watched it. That's a good one for you to watch, Dave. Yeah. I, I try to give you suggestions that I think you would like. I, I think you'll really like Sopranos. No, I, I'm with you. Another one, though, that I feel like it's kind of an HBO thing. It takes four or five episodes to really you, get in a rhythm you get with the characters in the show. Um, Shows I, now will hit you right there, with there a sledgehammer in the first it. episode. Right. There is a rhythm to it. I So... Chad hated me for this. There was a couple of places, like uh, Ozark. I didn't finish Ozark. I was probably three or four episodes before the final season released. And then I never actually caught up, and I, now I have. But Sopranos, same way. I knew the, the finale to The Sopranos before I'd even started. Don't stop believing started, in the jukebox. Before I'd even started the, the season. So did I catch up? Not nearly as fast as what I should have done or what I would have done had I not known the finale. Speaking of a show that uh, got a certain rhythm to it, and that rhythm is very slow, but once you get into it, it's very good. Mad Men, I've seen every episode, love it. You guys? That took a while for me to get into it. Yeah. It's very good. I, Don, I've Don not Draper, watched it. It's that high on this list, though. Don Draper is one of the greatest characters here. ever. I, I agree. I think I love the show. I think two is way too high for that. Way one. too high. Number one I get for the impact it has on all of television um, I've seen episodes of this. I've seen clips, but not a lot. I love Lucy, number one all time. Davey, big fan? I've seen a lot of episodes. I, I mean, oh, I'm not, I've seen I'm a not, lot of episodes. Yeah, I mean, growing up, I mean, that's something like my grandparents would, would have on. Same. I, I'm not going to put anything from Andy the... My grandparents had Andy Griffith show on. From Andy Griffith. Yeah, that was all another staple. All in the Family. All in the Family is another one. That's a good one. I think that was like 18th on the list. Okay. Um, all in the family. Let's Gilligan's see. Island. Golden Girls was another one that was always on. Golden Girls. My grandmother, my nana, loved Golden Girls. So yep. did I. That's yep. got to be on this list, too. Golden Girls has to be somewhere. Sanford and Son. I was thrilled, Hutton, to yep. see that Lost, my favorite show of all time, at least was in the top 40. Where was Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones was 21, okay. Davey, I think. Sounds i got to go back and look. Right. Uh, it's, Monday Night Raw wasn't on here anywhere? Internet's a struggle today for The me. longest running episodic whatever they want to... I, don't, I don't think that was... Uh, Where is Stone Cold Steve Austin on this list? I don't know that that one qualified for this list. Back at it tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern. How about with Huddy Withrow across the Outkick Network?